Well, let's look uh, at Matthew 18. We've been in a series called Commission, and we're going to continue in that today. Matthew 18, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach means to declare. Preach means to tell to every creature. Luke 24, verse 46 says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and remissions of sins should be preached, declared, told in his name to all nations. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. These are scriptures we've gone over and using as a foundation for, for the series. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all this, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we read Jesus' words in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, saying to go into all the world, preach the gospel, share. And then here in 2 Corinthians, it's saying, additionally, this is our job. Let's go back to uh, verse 18. It says, all this is a gift from God that we could become a new person by, by uh, believing on Him who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God gave us this task of reconciling people to him. He gave us the task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's the gospel. He gave it to us to share, to be his representatives to bring people to him. Verse 20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. He's making his appeal through us, through you, through me, through every Christian. He's saying, come back to God. Now let's look today over at Luke 5, verse 1. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood, Jesus stood, by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let, your, let down your nets for a catch. 
Verse 5, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So this is Jesus, you know, an account of Jesus going to Simon, Peter, and we have a, a detail here, detailed account of what happened. And Jesus at the end said, do not be afraid from now on, you will catch men. I'll make you fishers of men. These were fishermen, but he said, you're going to catch men. Look at Matthew 4, verse 18, now much shorter. Matthew and Mark. It's at verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Here he said, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Mark 1.17 it says, then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will, I will make you become fishers of men. So they were literal fishermen. And he said, you leave what you're doing. Follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And obviously, you know, they were part of the 12 disciples, the, the 12 apostles and did exactly that. And then the scriptures we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are what we, tell, what we say is the Great Commission. Jesus saying this is for every Christian. Here, this was the beginning of it. Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. <laughs> they didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't understand. I mean, can you imagine? They, he's just saying... You follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. They had no idea that they were going to be foundational for establishing the church on the earth. They, had, they, they, didn't, know, they didn't know Jesus. They did, even the people, when they knew Jesus over that time, they still didn't have a comprehension of who he really was. They had a glimpse, but they didn't understand because it was obvious. When he got taken to the cross, they all fled. They all forsook. They didn't know what was going on. Let alone... You know, several years earlier, uh, say, Jesus says to them, you follow me. They weren't like calculating, going, okay, well, if I follow him, I'm going to be known throughout the world. I'm going to be used as foundational for establishing his church. This is the son of the living God that I'm speaking with. This is the master of the universe. Well, of course, fish or follow you, I'm in. Let's go. That's not what happened. They don't know. But what's he, he's saying, this is the beginning of it. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, this is the same thing that as it culminated as Jesus, when he rose from the dead and he was commissioning the church, he said, now, all of you, the disciples, which have been passed down to us, we see it in the word of God, go and make disciples in all the world. And we saw in 2 Corinthians, he's given now us this task of what? reconciling people to himself. What's that? That's being fishers of men. Fishers of people. Going to people, interacting with people, and sharing 
the gospel, the good news, what Jesus did, you know, we saw it over and over, preach the gospel. Well, being fishers of men for what for us is doing the Great Commission is sharing His Word with people. Romans 10, verse 8, look at that. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, we will quote this many times. This is how you get born again. You believe, you hear the gospel, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Because in verse 10 it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But look at the subsequent verses. It says, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. So, yeah, this is believing. This is how it happens. But whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then verse 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So there's no distinction between people. Whoever calls on him is going to be saved. Verse 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, which the saving is what we read in verses 8 through 10, but this is saying it, there's no distinction. Everybody needs to call on Him in order to be reconciled to Him. Then verse 14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? In other words, you have to believe in order to call. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, we, we use that a lot, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It does. Faith comes by hearing the word in any area, but exactly what it's talking about here is you hear the word of Christ, the word of the gospel about Jesus, and then faith comes and that's right after it got done saying, if you go back to verse 14, you go back to verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Okay, so you have to get to believing. How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Well, you can't believe because you have to hear what we just said. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, somebody to declare. That's not, you don't, that's not necessarily somebody standing in a pulpit. That's somebody that declares. A preacher. Isn't that what it said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? It's talking about preach the gospel. And he's saying, everybody, go and share. Go and declare. In verse 15, how shall they preach unless they are sent? Well, Jesus sent us. So there needs to be a sending so that there can be a preaching, so that there can be a hearing, so that there can be a believing. So there are fishers of men, which everyone that is a Christian, that is part of who you are, is a fisher to do exactly what Jesus said, to be the avenue where somebody can come to faith in Jesus. In other words, Jesus doesn't come down 
and he's not doing the work, going and appearing to everyone and preaching himself to them, he is, he or he has commissioned us to be the vessels through which the good news of what he has done comes to people's attention. So ultimately, the truth needs to be shared for people to believe. Now, how it is shared is varied. People are different. Have you noticed that? Every single person is different. Of course, we look different. You know, we have two twins sitting here. They still look different. Now, I've seen earlier pictures of them, and it was very hard. Not going to give their age on camera, but you know, they're not 10 anymore. But two ladies that are twins sitting right here, you know, I can tell the difference between them. Everybody, you know, they, they don't look exactly the same, but I, you know, I've seen pictures of them earlier in life, and you'd be hard-pressed if you walked up to them, I think, to tell the difference. And they said that. And, you know, they could use that to their advantage when they're growing up. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I mean, even if you're that close in resemblance, you're, you're still different. And if anybody, you know these two ladies, you know they're different. Not just in the way they look, different way they act. Well, over time... We all have different, different experiences. I mean, you're talking about, generally speaking, different upbringing, different cultures. You have a different path. Even, like, even siblings, like we mentioned, identical twins, but... People in the same household growing up under the same parents still, they're unique, they have a different path, they have different giftings, they have different personalities, and so every individual is unique. In general, people have different experiences with church, they have different experiences with God, they have different experiences, interactions with people. They have different experiences in life. And so we can't use the same approach with everybody. Because everybody's different. When we're talking about sharing the gospel, the goal is for somebody to understand that Jesus is Lord and by believing on Him, they can be reconciled to God. That is our commission and really our life's work, is doing that on the earth and growing up to know Him ourselves, give other people the opportunity to know Him, and that's really life on earth. For eternity, we're going to get to know Him more and more. I mean, we're not going to exhaust that. And on earth, as we know Him, it's just not about coming to know Him and then not grow, or just coming to be acquainted with Him and not knowing Him any further. It's to grow up in Him, to know Him, to know what He's done for us, not to just come into the family and then not have any idea what He's done for us until we go to heaven and go, really? I could have been taken advantage of all? That's not good. So no, you come into the family... You need to know who you are. You need to know who God is. You need to know you have an enemy. You need to know how to operate on this earth so that while you're here, we can do the work of God and for eternity, we're going to get to know Him better. But part of what we need to do is make sure other people have that opportunity to come in. And that's really it. Everybody has different vocations. Everybody has different paths. But if you're a Christian, life becomes pretty simple in that regard, I mean, yeah, people say, oh, life's so complicated. Well, the more we understand what is really going on according to the Word of God, 
then our path, our part becomes more focused and we realize this is all about Him. How am I going to go and use my life to serve Him and to do the Great Commission and to grow up in Him? But when we deal with other people and do that part of the Great Commission, we can't use just a single method or approach for everybody. You can't treat people, if we said people are individuals, they're unique, you can't go and put people in a bucket based on any criteria, which the world right now is trying to do. All people that look like this or have this background are the same. That's, that's nonsense. People are unique. People are, have different experiences. So at we as Christians, we cannot come to some individual and go, oh, you're like so-and-so. They're not like so-and-so. Could look like so-and-so. Could be the same age as so-and-so. Maybe they've had similar experience, but they're not the same person, and we don't know exactly everything that they've experienced and where they are in their uh, perception of God. But God does. He knows exactly where they are. He's not in the dark whatsoever. He knows every word. I mean, this blows our minds, right? The amount of paths and, if you want to say, data that there is. God knows everything that that person has ever experienced, ever thought, and he doesn't have to go look it up. He knows. He, think, he, he sees somebody, he knows everything about him, everything about him, everything about him. He's not in the dark. He doesn't have to go ponder it. He knows exactly what their heart is toward him, do you understand? He knows exactly every person's heart. He knows. It may look, see, people can fool other people. We can all fool other people. You can't fool God. So as a Christian, we might as well just put that aside. You know, other people can think, oh, yeah, you're in this place with God. God knows exactly where you are with Him. So we need to... Be honest with ourselves and with God because there's no sense. He knows exactly. Well, He knows that about everybody. So we could make misjudgments. We could look. See, the Bible says men look on the appearance, but God looks on the heart. We, we could look on and say, oh, well, you're, you're like this, or you believe this, or, hey, I had a similar experience, so, you know, we can make the mistake. You probably you know, have processed it the way I did. They may process it completely different than you. And that's a mistake. But God knows people's hearts, and so He can help us to reach people as individuals and get to the core, hit to, to approach somebody actually where they're at. Not that we analyze them, know all that. We don't have to. We can be led. God's saying, do this. We don't have to know all the backstory. We just, ah, I think this, you know, we're impressed. It's not, we can use uh, input and, you know, there, there's ways of approaching, uh, sharing, um, you know, the gospel, but every person is unique. What are they open to at any given time? Is their heart open or is it closed at this point? Are they at a point where they're searching for something or at their point where they're pushing away? We need to be perceptive. Remember, we're called fishers of men. That's what he said. You don't go and treat every fish the same. You don't just command the fish to jump on your hook, care how much faith you have, you know, just, you know, get in there and be like, hey, you know, I mean, I know there's spear fishing and all that stuff, but, you know, I'm talking about, you're trying to fish, you don't just get in there, throw it in the fish's face. You know, I have some experience with fishing. I'm not a great white fisherman, but, you know, over my years, I've fished some. 
and you see different, you know, I've had different experiences with fishing. When we were growing up, you know, we would go down to uh, a place halfway between um, Omaha and Lincoln. You know, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and we would go down to Louisville. Uh, there was a campsite there, and so, you know, we'd, we had a camper, and we'd park the camper there and just hang out. And uh, they had a little, they had little ponds, and so, you know, we'd go down there with our fishing rods and hooks and bobbers, and we'd use worms, try to catch some sunfish, you know, bluegill, some maybe, sometimes you get a catfish or something, but, you know, we would, and we used worms, and, you know, we, we could do that okay. Now, when... When we then uh, would bring our kids, uh, we would go out to Pennsylvania for years. We've gone out to Pennsylvania for a vacation, and, they, and we stay at these cabins, and they have a man-made pond. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's man-made, and they stocked it. And so there's a lot of sunfish in there, and there's some bass in there. <laughs> and the kids would go down there, and I think we tried worms at the beginning, and you know, limited success. And I don't know, was it was it Rhonda that told it? Rhonda, you know, the lady that was there. She goes, they, you know, a lot of people just use hot dogs. <laughs> Went and got some hot dogs. Sure enough, our kids would put a little bit of hot dog on there. There'd be you'd see all the little sunfish coming up and eating the hot dogs, and they just pull them out. And guess what? At, when they were young. I was the one taking them off the hook, and then they put, I'm just getting that thing back, and they already have another one on, and they pull it out. So that's what we did. And then Andrew got to the place where he was the one. You know, he was like, oh, yeah, he loved, he loved just to, you know, uh, pull those fish. I don't know how many times they caught the same ones. I mean, there's a decent amount, but, you know, they're, they're pulling them out. So then, you know, I kind of delegated some of that. To, I was up, you know, reading or something, and he was down there. Well, now his two sisters... I don't know how much Brianna was doing at a different time. She did do it a little bit, but especially once the little ones, he, you know, they're fishing and he's just pulling the fish off. He'd get one off and the other one would get one. And then he starts getting that one off and the other one would get one. And that's pretty much what he would be doing. Is that right, Andrew? So they're biting on that. Well, every once in a while, I think they got a few bass. There's bass in there. But really it was just all the sunfish. Well, then... Um, at one point, you know, the, the, the gentleman that uh, owned the property, he was like, if you want to get those bass, you need to get minnows. And so they went up the creek, and the guy had a net, and they, you know, he would he'd walk out there and, get, and actually catch the minnows in the creek. And so then they put him in a bucket. So then Andrew comes down, and he's got a bunch of fresh live minnows. And he put those on, and he threw it out, and he got some decent-sized bass, you know. They wouldn't give the hot dogs much. Once in a while, they'd bite. But these guys wanted something else, and they would. He, he caught some good-sized bass. Of course, he threw them back. But they were different. When I was growing up, and uh, we, went, we went on a fishing trip to... Uh, Minnesota, you know, my dad's from Minnesota, and land of 10,000 lakes, you know, they, they, they have a lot of good fishing up there, but we, we on one trip hired a, a guide, a boat and a guide, and we went out, and we were going to do some fishing, and we were fishing for walleye, and then we were fishing for bass, and the walleye, they were down a number, I can't remember exactly what we used for the bait, but they, they were a ways down, and there was a way, you know, you... You, you did your rig so that it would be floating up there and you're fishing for walleye and we got some walleye. But it was below the surface a ways. But then we fished for bass on the same trip. And bass, we would put a certain lure on there and you throw it out and then you're just reeling it in and letting it kind of just go just, you know, below the surface. And those bass, they see that and they hit that thing and they pull it hard and you got a pretty good fight bringing it in but they 
they, they're different. They're not, you don't fish for them the same way you do walleye. And then up in Minnesota, I had an uncle. He, you know, he's passed on now, but I had an uncle. Uh, we were staying up in a certain place, and he, he loved to fish. And um, we were out on the, on the pond there, a different pond. I don't know. It's probably a lake. I guess it was a lake. Uh, and we went out, and we were fishing for northern pike. Northern pike, you know, can get really big, and they have a long snout with teeth. And so when we were fishing for these things, we had what we used. We used a red-eye lure, and it's bright and shiny, had several hooks on it, and you throw that thing out it and just let it, you know, again, you're kind of just going skimming the surface. And when those things hit, they hit hard. I mean, those are big, powerful fish. They would hit, and they would pull, and you had a fight to get those things in. <laughs> side, side note, one time we were fishing with him, and we, had to, we went to this pond that we had to, he had a Bronco, 4 by 4 We had to drive to a certain place, then we had to take the boat, like the canoe, and walk through the woods for so long, and then you got to this pond, and then we went out there and started fishing. And... Uh, we went out there, and, and we, we were just catching, I think, sunfish and some, some of that stuff on this trip. And we were going on fishing, and we had a stringer. You know, you, you'd put your fish, because uh, we are going to fillet them and eat them, uh, you know, metal hooks that you put through their gill and held them on, and so you'd put, you'd put them on and then put that in the water to keep them alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, while you're in the boat? So you'd, you'd put all the different sunfish on there, and you get a new one, you kind of pull it out, hook them, not, not like a, a hook you catch them with, but just a rod, put it through their gill, put them back in, and so they're all, we just have all our sunfish hanging off the boat there. All of a sudden, we hear, I mean, it's going nuts. We hear the chain hitting the, the side of the boat, and these fish are going around, and we're like, what is going on? My, my uncle starts to pull it up, and there is a massive snapping turtle just eating those fish because they can't go anywhere and so half of them were but and that thing he's do he's pulling the thing up and the thing comes up in the water and he's pulling it good night i mean a snapping turn will take off your finger especially that big i mean it was like that big that scared us <laughs> i don't know how old i was but i was looking over and oh my goodness see that thing coming up and he's pulling it and it's coming with it that scared me but that was one time with the same, same person, or same uncle. But, we, but all the different fish, they, they hit different. They, you bring them in different. You use different uh, lures. You use different bait. You use different technique. And that's just fish. And I mean, there's so many more fish that, you know, like I said, I'm not a great white fisherman, just, just in my limited experience. But Jesus said that we are fishers of men, and we cannot, if you went in and be like, I'm fishing for pike, I'm throwing out hot dogs. You know, big northern pike. Bass. I don't know that it, that would, it could work. You might get one once in a while. If you would throw one of those big red-eye lures in the middle of a bunch of sunfish, I doubt very seriously they would do anything with it. It's, you know, it's this big, and they're just this big. So we need to be led. Can you, can you use certain, uh, you know, not for lack of a better word, techniques with people? You can use guidelines that we ought to be using the scripture, but really we ought to be led by God. And the bottom line is we need to be in tune with where they're at because we're not, it's not a game. It's not a, hey, I'm just trying to get past a certain place with them and put a notch on my belt. I am actually the conduit whereby God is trying to reach that person. They have a unique past. They have, you know, unique traits. And where are they? What, what do they want? Do they want to hear anything at this point? Are they even open? Or at this point, is it, I'm just supposed to talk to you and be, show you the love of God? Because regardless, that's our command. Wherever we go is to be a conduit for the love of God. You know, those of, they fish you, those of, the, of you that may have fish, you know, fish don't bite the same all day. There's certain times where they're biting, there's certain times where they're not. You go in the middle when it's sunny, 
and it's hot, and you try to fish in the middle of the, the pond or lake where it's hot, those fish are not there. They're gone where it's cool, and they're not biting, you know? Whereas there's certain times when after, right after it's just rained and it's morning, the fish are just biting. Well, in people's lives, there's times where they're closed. They're mad. They, they heard something. They don't want to hear anything about God. You bring it up, it's just you just drove them that much further into the cave. Well, wouldn't somebody want to hear about God all the time? No. Where are they? What are, they're, not a, they're not an object. They're a person. And we're all guilty. You know, we got our lives going on and we see somebody and we can, you know, correlate them with somebody in our experience and then we, uh, you know, start talking to them and act like they're an object, not a person with a, 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 a unique person with a unique past, with a unique personality, with a unique perspective on God that is in their life at a certain juncture, and what do they actually need to hear? Well, God knows. He knows exactly. We don't know. And there's some people that are going to be able to connect with certain individuals that maybe we can't connect with. They won't listen to you. They won't listen to me. But boy, you get them on a certain topic with somebody that has something in common, all of a sudden their heart's open. And where you could talk to them for three days and just make them annoyed, somebody else brings something up and has a similar experience that actually relates to them because they're connecting, and in 30 seconds their heart's wide open. Same thing. Could be, you know, uh, conversely true. Somebody else could talk to them, but you have something that could connect to them, and you just say, yeah, you know, you, you make a comment that connects with their heart, and they perceive you understand something. You're not trying to play a game. You just, through the love of God, just share something. Now they're listening to you. Their heart is open. If we could look in the spiritual realm, their heart is open, and they're, they're saying inside, what do you have to say? That's what I thought too. What, what, did you, you know, what did you think about that? And their hearts open what? To the gospel. What's the gospel? It's a seed. To put it into their heart. To go forward, to, they could see the truth. And it, at that point, they maybe could see the truth and accept Jesus right there. Or it may be opened enough to where you can put enough truth in it. They're not, you know, you give them uh, some truth, some of the gospel, and that's all they could handle. They go on with their day, but they're pondering, and that seed is in their heart. And the Holy Spirit has something to bring back to their remembrance and to work with and for them to ponder. And they may come back to you. Or they may be talking to somebody else. And there's a similar moment. And their heart gets open a little bit more. And they take a further step. But what's the goal? The goal is for them to know the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter. If they're closed, you could beat on their heart all day. Only The heart can only be open from the inside. Jesus said, Behold, I, I, I knock. He's God. Could he not push the thing, the door open? He's given men a free will, so they can only open it up from the inside. So it doesn't matter. If we're not hooked up and not sensitive to that other person, in other words, if we're not walking in love with them, then we could miss an opportunity. But conversely, if we are, now we are conduits where, hey, God, is there anybody that I would connect with? And we're just, we, we, we have the mentality, okay, I, my, part of my role is I'm going to be a fisher of men. All right. Anywhere I'm supposed to cast my line as we're going through the day? Anything I need to throw out there? You have a spiritual antenna up. Anything I need to say? I'm looking at a person that's in the trucking industry back here. I'm not in the trucking industry. He could connect with people I could never connect with. Somebody's in the restaurant industry right here. <laughs> I, don't, 
I, I eat at restaurants, I eat food, but I don't know a whole lot about it. He, on the other hand, knows how to make food, and he knows how to sell food, and he knows how to run a restaurant. He can connect with people and all the different suppliers and all the different people involved. He can speak a language I can't speak. You know, I went to lunch one time with Gardy not too long ago. He looks at the restaurant a lot different than I do. I'm walking in, I'm going to look at the menu. He's noticing everything about everything and how they do this and how this looks and, you know, that's the way his brain works. Well, we're all like that in some area. You know, you have experience. I'm sure, you know, when Isaac gets in a truck and, and looks around or goes talk to, he, he sees stuff that I don't see. Well, how's God going to use us? When we go, when, see, when you go through life, God has made you individually, specifically, a certain way, and you have experiences, you have um, traits and personality, and so you walk into a situation, you may perceive certain things that other people don't in a certain situation, which could open doors that other people don't even know the door's there, let alone open it. Because we're all unique. So we go, we're, you know, go through life, okay, God, how would you? Is there anything you want me to say or do? Not, okay, here's a person, they don't know Jesus, let me get out my script. Okay, number one, I say this. Okay, you can work from... You know, we may or may not talk about certain things. There, there's the gospel, and there's things that can help us say things. We don't have to all start from scratch, no. But how do we implement that? How does it come out? And, and the, the first principle is we are conscious of them. We're conscious of the other person. We're conscious of being perceptive of looking for clues, not trying to dig, not trying to sell. Most people don't enjoy that. They want a genuine person, not somebody that's trying to sell them something. The moment most people perceive that, they shut down. Oh, you're trying to convert me. We're not trying to convert anybody. We're sharing the gospel so that they can know the Lord Jesus. It's not you converting somebody to what we believe, it is bringing somebody the truth and letting them grab onto the truth with their heart and for eternity, their life's different. See, it's about them, not about us. That's a difference. I'm not trying to get you so that I have a notch on my belt. I'm trying to share something with you that changed your life. Now, I very much then have to be sensitive. Do you care and do you want to hear anything at this point? Because if I'm all about you, if I'm saying something and you don't care, it's just dropping on the floor. And if not only is it dropping on the floor, it may be making it harder for somebody else that could reach them to reach them down the line. Maybe I'm not the vessel. Maybe I just need to pray for them. But maybe I don't have enough attachment to them to, you know, I just, I, I don't know how to fish for that type of person. You know, there are people that deal very heavily in certain areas or have certain experiences they've come out to or, or hardships that they've come out, to, uh, out of that can, can reach people and they can reach them. I mean, I, there's a, there was a church in, in Oklahoma um, where they, they ministered very much to people that had addictions, that had very light, uh, hard lives. And in that church, they had all kinds of stuff up on the wall of things that people used to be bound by. And it was a certain culture. They ministered to people. They connected with these people because that, that's what they had. Um, I'm not sure their personal story, but at any way, they, they had, were able to connect. Well, it's not everybody's geared that way. It's not that you can't minister to people of, of other areas, but then there are certain people that, boy, it's just so easy for them to do that. Well, some, if we try to push into a certain area where maybe there's, there's nothing there, that's okay. Sometimes just you could pray for them. There's nothing there. If you force it, there's no reason to force it. Sometimes we've taken this, yes, the Great Commission's real, but that doesn't mean we have to open our mouths with every single person the same and at all times. 
That's not being led. It's not being um, loving. And maybe that'll take the pressure off of us. Hey, there's people that I could reach and I could talk. Now, don't, we don't use it as an excuse. You know, I, you know I'm, I, basically, I'm only called to reach a certain, certain people. I've just never met anybody like that. But when I do, then I'll talk to them. Okay, you could go over there. But at the same time, it could be a weight off people to be like, hey, it's not up to me to save the world. Jesus saved the world. All I am is a conduit. Now, God, who am I supposed to be talking to? But now we could go into the mode where we're walking through life going, hey, you know, cast my, my hook over there. Cast my, you know, what should I use? Do I even have this in my tackle box? Do, am I even equipped? I mean, God can use anybody to do anything. Don't get me wrong. But at times, I think we think, Man, I'm, I have everything I need. I can, I can get anybody. Well, that's pride. Uh, that's, that's misunderstanding. Maybe there's a time that's like, they're, never, they're not going to listen to you. But does our person will listen to you? And so we don't, you know, if God's prompting us to do something, we say, oh, no, they wouldn't listen to me. Maybe they would listen to you. So don't deny. Well, they don't. I'm not from this area. Or, you know, this, I don't know anything about this area of life or whatever. They wouldn't listen to me. Uh, if you're getting prompted, don't dismiss it either. Maybe they would listen to you exactly for the purpose that you are not connected with stuff they know. And you throw something out and they're like, they, 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 there's something about you. Something about your background that actually they connect with, and you don't see it, but God's prompting you. Now, we just want to be sensitive, and it's not that you compromise what you believe. It's not that you compromise the gospel in any way. It's not that you shy away, but we walk in wisdom for the sake of trying to connect with people. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. We'll look at this, and then uh, we'll be closing. <clears throat> it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Notice it says, to all, to all. Made my, we talked about that last week. We're free. We have liberty through the Lord Jesus, and you becoming a servant of him actually frees you up. It's not bondage, it's freedom. He said, I have made my servant uh, to all that I might win the more. In other words, I, I approach it that I'm servant to everybody so that I could win somebody, which sounds like the Great Commission, which sounds like being an ambassador for Jesus. Verse 20, and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, or without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Let's look at this in the Living Bible. I think it brings out some of uh, what's being said here. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 in the Living Bible says, This and this has a real advantage. I am not bound to obey anyone just because he pays my salary, yet I have freely and happily become a servant of any and all so that I can win them to Christ. When I am with the Jews, I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ. When I am with Gentiles who follow Jewish, to follow Jew, Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue, even though I don't agree. 
because I want to help them. See, sometimes we, we, there's stuff that just doesn't need to be said. You, just because you listen to somebody doesn't mean you agree with them. It's okay. Some people take silence as an agreement. That's not true. You're just being courteous. That's okay. Doesn't mean you're compromising. You're interested in the person. That's exactly what Paul's saying. I'm not compromising, but I'm listening to him. Why? For the gospel's sake. I don't argue even though I don't agree because I want to help them. Verse 21, when the heathen, or when the heathen I agree with them, when with the heathen I agree with them as much as I can, except of course that I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidences or confidence and help them too. When I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though, uh, or though I know it all, and don't say they are foolish. The result is that they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. That's what we're supposed to do. We're surrounded by people in the world. We're commissioned to get the gospel to them. How do we do it so that they'll listen to us? How do we be a conduit so it's not just going through us and landing on the ground, but it's going through us, and by the Holy Spirit, He takes that word and by their, in their open heart and implants it in there, and then they react to it, God saves them, they become a child of God. Not everybody's going to be the same. Not everybody is going to have the same experiences. Not everybody's going to react the same to what we say. But with God's help, we can be conduits strategically, wisely, saying, not saying. Saying a lot here, maybe saying a word here, maybe just being kind here and another opportunity comes up. But with his help, we're fishing. We're bringing people. We're, we're influencing people. And as the body of Christ, we are sharing the word so that people can come to know him. And ultimately, so we get our job done and we leave. Amen?